you really wouldn't. Pastor Zach, we appreciate you playing the drums, guitar, and singing, and all of that at the same time. We are... uh, (laughs) Praying for a, a drummer. Not that you're not good. We have a young girl in our church that's taking drum lessons right now, so she wants to help fill that slot. It's awesome. Nathan will be back in a few weeks, and we'll plug him in real quick, too, for the month that he's back home. But if anybody out there is like, you play the drums and you have hidden it from us, naughty, naughty. (laughs) All right, you you need need to come and talk with us. All right, so what's everybody going to do on Thursday? Is there a word you should put in front of eat? I'm thinking of the word over. <laughs> I think a bunch of us are going to overeat this Thursday. And that's not a prophecy. That's just experience, okay? But Thanksgiving. I want to talk about... Well, actually, today, I'm not going to talk about Thanksgiving. I'm going to talk about thanks living. All right? So it's more than just one day. It's thanks living. I, I'm probably not the first person to come up with that awesome word, but uh, thanks living. This was written by Dan Solman from Wisconsin. Passing by a table in a local restaurant, I noticed a gentleman who was to be celebrating his 100th birthday the following week, eating with some of his family. I stopped and said to him, You're out celebrating a little early, aren't you? He looked at me and he asserted, At my age, son, every day is a celebration. (laughs) How about us two? Every day. The text that I'm going to... Have, I have preached on this text a few times. And I didn't pick it because then I could just go back and pull out a sermon I've already done. This text is so powerful. It's so short. It's three verses. And they're just short, short, and a little longer than short. But they are, they're so powerful. And we're going to look at it today. And it's 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. Verse 16, be joyful always. Verse 17, pray continually. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God. These are powerful verses. And when we, when we walk in these verses, applying them to our lives, and it is a challenge to apply these verses to our lives, but when we walk in them, life is changes and I want to talk about that today thanks living the first one is the very first verse be joyful always be joyful always and I'm going to share some other passages that talk about you know rejoicing in situations the first one I'm going to share was was written by Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit but he was in prison when he penned these verses, or they were penned for him, somebody else might have been writing them for him, but he was saying these things. And he was writing to a church that he had been, I mean, he had been in that area some time ago, and when he was in that area, he got thrown in prison. So he's writing from prison to an area where he had been beaten and thrown in prison. And I want us to look at his words. Philippians 4, verses 4 and 5. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And he's not content just to say it one time. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. My first point, be joyful always. Why? Hey, let's just rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Just like you're doing right now. A little more. A little more. There we go. There we go. Rejoice in the Lord. I am reading uh, in the... I read some of the Old Testament and some of the New Testament in my devotionals. and It varies sometimes, but I try to read some out of both. I'm going to the book of Job right now. Wow. How many have read the book of Job? Okay, I can tell when somebody is a young Christian because they say they've read the book of Job. Okay, and I, I've, I've heard that a few times, but it's, it's Job. And I'm reading through the book of Job, and he is going through such a predicament. He doesn't understand what's going on. He has, he has lived righteously. And God knows that. And then Job, he loses all of his kids in a day. And he loses his wealth in the same day. And then, a little later, he loses his health. And he's just sitting in ashes with sackcloth and he's taking a, bro- a broken piece of pottery and scraping the sores that are from head to toe on his body. And he has lost the respect of all those around him. Man, it's just like he's lost everything. And you're reading through this and it's like, oh man, what a rough spot. And he doesn't understand why it's happening. His, his wife gave him some counsel. She, she lived... And she said, Job, just curse God and die. Everybody needs a helpmate like that, let me tell you. (laughs) But I came across a verse in my reading this week, Job 13, 15. It won't be on the screen. But it says this. Job, he doesn't understand what's going on. But he makes this statement. He says, though he, though God slay me. He thinks God is doing all these things to him. And we find out that Satan was, but he doesn't know that. Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. Even if he takes my life. He's taken everything else, but even if he takes my life, I will yet hope in him. Job. That, it, it was quite a, quite a verse. Quite a verse. Be joyful always. He is near. This was written in 2011. Richard Stearns, the president of World Vision, reflected on his visit to a church in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, nearly a year after the devastating earthquake. The church's building consisted of a tent made from white tarps and duct tape, pitched in the midst of a sprawling camp for thousands of people still homeless from the earthquake. This is how he describes the church and the lesson he learned in Haiti. In the front row sat six amputees ranging in age from six to sixty. They were clapping and smiling as they sang song after song and lifted their prayers to God. The worship was full of hope and with thanksgiving to the Lord. No one was singing louder or praying more fervently than Demosi Lufine, a 32-year-old unemployed single mother of two. 
During the earthquake, a collapsed building crushed her right arm and left leg. After four days, both limbs had to be amputated. She was leading the choir. Leading the choir. I love that. Leading the choir, leading prayers, standing on her prosthesis and lifting her one hand high in praise to God. Following the service, I met Demisi's two daughters, ages 8 and 10. The three of them now live in a tent, five feet tall and perhaps eight feet wide. Despite losing her job, her home, and two limbs, she is deeply grateful because God spared her life on January 12th of that year. Quote, He brought me back like Lazarus, giving me the gift of life, says Demisi, who believes she survived the devastating quake for two reasons, to raise her girls and to serve her Lord for a few more years. It makes no sense to me as an entitled American who grouses at the smallest inconveniences, a clogged drain or a slow Wi-Fi connection in my home. Yet here in this place, many people who had lost everything expressed nothing but praise. Rejoice. Rejoice. Living a life of rejoicing. Be joyful always. Rejoice in the Lord. Well, let's just take a look at this next. Fill in the blank. Consider it pure something, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Well, some of you already filled in the blank. I hope nobody here thought of a naughty word, okay? Because it's not a naughty word that goes in there. No. no. What's the word? Joy. Where in the world do we find words like this? In the Bible. Instructed by the Holy Spirit. Through the Apostle James. James, the brother of Jesus. Okay, Consider it pure joy, my brothers. Let's... Uh, James chapter 1. 2 through 4, but starting with verse 2. Consider it pure joy. When what happens? Whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it, I, you know, it takes a little bit to get your head around this statement. It really does. Because scripture is telling us, rejoice always. And now scripture is saying, in the trials, rejoice. Wow. Anybody gone through a trial this week? Okay, we're not going to ask for details, but have you gone through trauma? Did you rejoice? I would say a lot of times with me, it's been the word eventually. But God wants it to be instantly. We just start rejoicing. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What can be your companion during trials? Anxiety can be your companion as you're going through a trial. Depression can be your companion as you're going through a trial. Anger can be your companion as you're going through a trial. Loneliness. There's a lot of things that will go through a trial with you. But Jesus says, I want to be with you. I want to go through the trial with you. 
I want to be there by your side. And for that reason, you can have joy. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Let it be Jesus. Well, it went on to say, there are trials of what? Many kinds. Praise God. Many kinds. It's awesome. It's not the same trial all the time. We get different trials. Variety of life. It's amazing. You can have trials in your faith. You can be battling doubt and unbelief. You can have trials in your faith. You can have trials in your marriage or in your family. You can have trials in your finances or your job. You can have trials in your health. There's trials of many kinds. Trials of many kinds. But God goes on to say, these tests and trials, it doesn't say that he's bringing them, but they come. He says that they won't destroy you. Matter of fact, he makes a promise that in the midst of those trials, he will actually do a God work in your life. The enemy wants to destroy you with a trial, and God wants to grow you and perfect you in a trial. Let's just read the rest of the verse. The rest of this verse here. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, okay, try to get that, know this. In this trial, know this. You know that the testing of your faith develops what? Perseverance. It's that ability to keep going. It's that ability when things get difficult and you don't know how to handle all this necessarily and it's just, it just keeps being there, you don't give up. You don't run away. You just persevere. Because look what happens. Your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance, if you let that build in your life, it says it must finish its work. It has a work. This perseverance, if we'll let it grow in us, it's got this work that's going to bring maturity. You do not have to become a mature Christian. You can be a baby Christian your whole life long. You can wah over here and wah over there and wah wah everywhere. You can do all of that. And God loves you. We love our babies. You know, Josh is 20, 20, 22 now. I, I don't want him to act like when he was two. You know, I love Josh. But I want him to mature. Looking forward to seeing him. He's going to be coming back here before too long. Maturity, and then it says the word, so that you may be mature and what? Complete. It's like we're this work. We're God's workmanship. But he wants to complete that work. And the trials that the enemy wants to destroy us, but God says will actually build us, will complete this. God will be doing a complete thing in us. And it says that, that we won't lack anything. So that's why scripture says, count it all joy. Rejoice when you face these trials because in God's hands, if we will let God be God in the midst of all that and we'll walk with him, it's not, a, it's not a destructive thing. God is doing a good work. A good work. And some of the hardest times in our lives are really the times where we got to know God the most. Where we got the closest to him. 
And they sustain us even now. We look back and we say, man, God brought me through that. He brought me through that. He'll, he'll, he'll take me through anything. He's faithful. He's faithful. Thanks living. Be joyful always. Rejoice in the trials. I got one more here. It's just as much fun as this last one. Rejoice in your weaknesses. Rejoice in your weaknesses. You do have weaknesses. I know. I see all. No, no. no. I see enough. Okay. I got weaknesses in me. I don't want you to see too many of those. Lori knows them. The Apostle Paul was asking God to take something away. It really bothered him. God, please take this away. I don't like this. I don't like what's happening to me. I don't like this thing I'm going through. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient. God wouldn't take it away. Whatever area of weakness he was going through, it was a thorn in the flesh is what scripture says. Well, let's just read it. But he, God, said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Do you feel weak at times? You know what? Rejoice. God's power is made perfect in that weakness. God, I can't do this. And he says, I'm so glad you know that. God, you be my strength. And he says, I will. Oh, he is our strength. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, oh, I love that. That's when I'm really strong. When I realize how weak I am, that's when I really become strong because I am trusting and hoping and resting and believing in you through this whole thing. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. So, be joyful always. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the trials. Rejoice in the weaknesses. Let's switch topics. Let's go to something else here. Pray continually. Rejoice and pray. Rejoice and pray. Okay, through all. Pray continually. Oh, goodness. A businessman was late for an important meeting and couldn't find a parking space. As he frantically circled the block, the man got so desperate he decided to pray. Looking up toward heaven, he said, Lord, take pity on me. If you find a parking space for me, I'll go to church every Sunday for the rest of my life. And not only that, I'll give up drinking. And miraculously, a parking spot appeared right there. The man looked up and said, Never mind, I found one. (laughs) I think we do stuff like that sometimes too. (laughs) God is faithful. Pray continually. God wants his children to always pray. He does. He loves that. But really, why pray? Why pray when, when you could stress and develop high blood pressure and get ulcers eventually? Why bother praying? 
Anybody can pray. It takes a man to face ulcers and high blood pressure. God says to pray. Pray about everything. He wants us to be people of prayer. Jesus said this short statement, and I'm not going to go through the parable. He tells a parable to back all this up. But in Luke 18, 1, he says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not do what? And not give up. Always pray. And it was about a widow and an unjust judge, and you could read all of that, but keep praying and don't give up. That's what Jesus' story was about. Guys, I want you to keep praying. I don't want you to give up. uh, Pastor H.B. Charles tells the following story about a woman he knew who showed up at church and prayed the same simple prayer. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. She prayed that week after week. The kids at church would start laughing every time she opened her mouth because they knew it would be the same prayer. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Finally, somebody asked her, why do you pray the same little prayer? She said, well, I'm just combining the two prayers that I know. We live in a bad neighborhood, and some nights there are bullets flying. I have to grab my daughter and hide on the floor. In that desperate state, all I know how to cry out is, Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. But when I wake up in the morning and see that we're okay, I say, Thank you, Jesus. When I got to take my baby to the bus stop and she gets on that bus and I don't know what's going to happen while she's away, I cry, Oh, Lord. And then when 3 p.m. comes and that bus arrives and my baby's safe, I say, Thank you, Jesus. She said, Those are the only two prayers I know. And when I get to church, God's been so good. I just put my two prayers together. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. She prayed about everything. She prayed about everything. Ephesians 6, just another verse on prayer. And pray in the Spirit when? When? On all occasions. What's praying in the Spirit? It can be being led by the Spirit in prayer. It could be praying in tongues. I mean, I think it could be all of those things, okay? It says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. We're not just praying for ourselves all the time either. Pray continually. God wants men to pray too. Do you believe that? Let's look at this verse in Timothy. Paul was writing to a young pastor and he's instructing him on what to teach the church. How to to guide and instruct and deal with things in the church. And he gives him some instruction for the men of the church. And it says this, 1 Timothy 2.8 I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing men I don't want you raising your hands in the air like this I want you raising your hands in the air like this praying to your God men we we need to be people of prayer we do God wants us to pray Uh, John Newton anybody know who John Newton is he didn't invent the cookie no we're talking about something else Okay. amazing grace He was a slave trader. 
Must, he must have been you know, quite the guy to begin with. He was a slave trader. And he got saved. And he became a pastor. He wrote, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. I love that song. Travel back 200 years in Christian history to John Newton, the slave trader turned pastor and hymn writer. He would receive almost unbelievable answers to his prayers because he believed in what he called large asking. When explaining what he meant, Newton would often cite a legendary story of a man who asked Alexander the Great to give him a huge sum of money in exchange for his daughter's hand in marriage. Alexander agreed and told the man to request uh, of Alexander's treasurer whatever he wanted. So the father of the bride went and asked for an enormous amount. The treasurer was startled and said he could not give out that kind of money without a direct order. Going to Alexander, the treasurer argued that even a small fraction of the money requested would more than serve the purposes. No, replied Alexander, let him have it all. I like that fellow. He gives me honor. He treats me like a king and proves by what he asks that he believes me to be both rich and generous. He liked that. Newton concluded, in the same way we should go to the throne of God's grace and present petitions that express honorable views of the love, riches, and bounty of our king. Large asking. Large asking. Do we believe our God to be the king who is both rich and generous? God's not offended by big asking. Now, if it's all selfish motives, motives are huge. But he's not offended by big asking. We're just saying, God, you are big enough. You are great enough. You are good enough. Pray continually. Scripture tells us that we should replace our anxiety with prayer. I mean, you can take pills for anxiety. You can. I don't oppose that. But God says, I've got a pill for you that you don't have to go to the store to get. You can take this pill every time you start getting anxious. And it won't have a list of side effects this long <laughs> of the things that could happen, you know, <laughs> possible death or whatever. Philippians 4, 6. Let's look at that. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition. With what? Prayer and thanksgiving. Man, they're just linked together. They really are. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends, surpasses all understanding. It goes beyond the mind thing. The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God wants to guard our heart and mind as we walk through this life. When anxiety starts to rise up, pray and give thanks. Pray and give thanks. Be joyful always. Pray continually. I read this story before, but I like it, so you're going to hear it again. Evie, or Ed Hill, who pastored Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles, tells the story of how Mama's love and prayers changed his life. During the height of the Depression, Hill's real mother, who had five children of her own, didn't have enough food to go around, so she sent 
four-year-old Ed to live with a friend in a small country town called Sweet Home. Can you imagine having to send one of your kids away? Because they can't all make it if you stay. That would be rough. So he's sent away at the age of four to live with a friend of the mother in Sweetwater, or Sweet Home. Ed just called her Mama. As he was growing up in Sweet Home, Mama displayed remarkable faith, which led her to have big plans for young Ed. Against nearly insurmountable obstacles, Mama helped Ed graduate from high school, the only student to graduate that year from the country school, and even insisted that he go to college. She took Ed to the bus station, handed him the ticket, and five dollars. <laughs> and then she said, Now, go off to Prairie View College, and Mama's going to be praying for you. Hill claims that he didn't know much about prayer, but he knew Mama did. When he arrived at the college with a dollar and ninety cents in his pocket, they told him he needed eighty dollars in cash in order to register. Here's how Hill described what happened next. I got in line, and the devil said, Get out of line. But I heard my mama saying in my ear, I'll be praying for you. I stood in line on mama's prayer. Soon there was another new student ahead of me and I began to get nervous, but I stayed in line. Just about the time the other student got all of her stuff and turned away, Dr. Drew touched me on the shoulder and he said, Are you Ed Hill? I said, Yes. Are you Ed Hill from Sweet Home? Yes. Have you paid yet? Not quite. We've been looking for you all morning. I said, well, what do you want with me? We have a four-year scholarship that will pay your room and board, your tuition, and give you $30 a month to spend. And I heard Mama say, I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying for you. That was a step of faith. Send this young kid off with five bucks to go to college. <laughs> be joyful always. Pray continually. Pray continually. God, I've prayed long enough. And he would say, no, keep praying. Keep praying. Well, the third one, give thanks in all circumstances. These are all things of faith, people. Rejoicing always, that's, that's a thing of faith. Praying continually, that's a thing of faith. Giving thanks in all circumstances, that's a thing of faith. Being thankful is good for you. It's been proven. It's not even God that said it. There's other people that are saying it that don't even know God. And they're saying being thankful is good for you. Robert Emons, Ph.D., professor of psychology at the University of California, <clears throat> Davis, uh, California Davis, and psychology professor Michael McCullough of the University of Miami have long been interested in the role gratitude plays in physical and emotional well-being. They took three groups of volunteers and randomly assigned them to focus on one of three things each week. Hassles, things for which they were grateful, and ordinary life events. The first group concentrated on everything that went wrong or irritated them. I hope nobody in this room would naturally be part of that group. That's a rough, that's rough. 
Well, that's what the first group did. The second group honed in on situations they felt enhanced their lives, such as, my boyfriend is so kind and caring, I'm lucky to have him. The third group recalled recent everyday events, such as, I went shoe shopping, which to me really falls under trials. Okay, but for others, it's a blessing. The results. The people who focused on gratitude were happier. They were just happier. They saw their lives in favorable terms. They reported fewer negative physical symptoms, such as headaches or colds. They were active in many ways that were good for them. Those who were grateful quite simply enjoyed a higher quality of life. Emmons was surprised. This is not just something that makes people happy, like a positive thinking, optimism kind of thing. A feeling of gratitude really gets people to do something to become more pro-social and more compassionate. That was not the case with the other two groups. Okay? The other two groups had different outcomes. Giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Scripture tells us to give thanks constantly for, for Christ being in our lives. It tells us to give thanks for that. Colossians 2. Let's take a look at that. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Have you received Christ Jesus as your Lord? Yeah, I hope so. That's the biggest decision you'll ever make. Saves you from judgment. Brings you into God's kingdom. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. You made a decision. Now you're walking with him. You're living in him. Your life and his life, they are interconnected. Rooted and built up in him. Your roots are going down into your relationship with Christ. You're being built up, becoming more like him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And overflowing with what? Thankfulness. And I like that word overflowing. Overflowing. We have a coffee pot in the kitchen. It's a little irritating because when you, it's one of those where you pour the pot of water and it goes down through the machine and drips into the next pot below. Works fine when you're doing coffee. But then when you go to just heat up some hot water, you put the pot down there and and uh, of course there's no coffee grounds and so on and you fill the, the thing up with water and it goes down through sometimes it completely overflows the bottom pot because the grounds aren't saturating some of the water or whatever I don't know what the case is but you think okay I got to figure it out just pour less in yes true but when you make the next pot of coffee you get a whole lot less coffee it's it just one thing runs into another so anyway the point is it overflows some things, when they overflow, it's not pleasant. Toilets are one of those things. Not pleasant. But we do rejoice in our trials. So I'm sure we're all just saying, thank you, Jesus, as we're dealing with the overflowing toilets. But some things overflowing are awesome because the mess they make is amazing. Thanksgiving, it makes an awesome mess just spills over splashes on other people and and it's a good thing the scripture says overflowing with thankfulness do you ration it out too many of us ration it out 
It's like we're afraid we'll run out of it, so we only allow so much per day. I hope you're not on a strict budget with Thanksgiving. I hope your budget, you just have exceeded it. Okay, you're so far over your budget, it's ridiculous. Thanksgiving. And people can't read your minds when you're thankful. Have you ever thought how thankful you are, but you never expressed it? You're, You're sitting by your wife saying, man, I just really love my wife. I so appreciate her. But it never gets out of your lips. That doesn't help them. <laughs> it doesn't help. Give thanks in all circumstances. Let's look at another one on thankfulness. Always giving thanks to God the Father for what? Everything. You know, we don't have to get real concerned. We don't have to get confused. Well, God, what am I supposed to thank you about? I mean, this is confusing. No, just thank me about everything. Confusion's gone. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the first Thanksgiving in America, I read this. It said, the pilgrims made seven times more graves than huts. Nevertheless, they set aside a day of Thanksgiving. It was tough being a pilgrim. But they gave thanks to God. They gave thanks to God. I'm going to finish with this story. And then the, um, I want us to, worship team, I'll have you come. And just I just want us to close the, the service with a really sad, somber song. <laughs> no, just, just some rejoicing. And if anybody wants prayer for anything, we'll pray for any needs that are present. But uh, we'll just close the service with, with a thankful song, a rejoicing song. Yes. But listen to this story. While on a short-term mission trip, Pastor Jack Hinton was leading worship at a leper colony on the island of Tobago. A woman who had been facing away from the pulpit turned around. It was the most hideous face I had ever seen, Hinton said. The woman's nose and ears were entirely gone. She had no nose. Her ears were gone. And she lifted a fingerless hand in the air, raising her hand to get attention. And then she said, Can we sing, Count Your Many Blessings? True story. Can we sing, Count Your Many Blessings? Overcome with emotion, Hinton left the service. He was followed by a team member who said, I guess you'll never be able to sing that song again. He replied, yes, I will, but I'll never sing it the same way again. People. Oh, my, my anointed outline. We need to finish with that. Here we go. <laughs> Thanks living. Thanks living. Be joyful always. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in your trials. Rejoice in your weaknesses. Rejoice. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. That's your homework assignment. And next week, you're going to come back and tell me how awesome things went. The trials were filled with joy. (laughs) Jesus, we 